Here we are just one third of the way through the condensed season, nearing the halfway point next week, and we are picking out the pretenders from the contenders. I am Ryan Walker. This is my show, The Ryan Express. Let's go. This is Express Line 3, a news recap of Major League Baseball from Monday, August 10th, 2020 through Wednesday, August 19th, 2020. We start this recap with your weekly COVID-19 updates as it relates to Major League Baseball. The St. Louis Cardinals returned to play 17 days after their team outbreak shut them down. They returned with two wins and a doubleheader versus the Chicago White Sox on Saturday, August 15th. The St. Louis Cardinals outbreak remains the most serious in baseball as they missed more than double the games of the next largest outbreak, that of the Miami Marlins. The only other COVID-19 news to report is that of the Cincinnati Reds. After a player tested positive, Major League Baseball postponed three games, two versus the Pirates and one versus the Kansas City Royals. The Reds have returned to play and already made up the Kansas City game in a doubleheader on Wednesday, August 19th. This means no team is currently not playing in Major League Baseball due to COVID-19 outbreaks. While both the Cardinals and the Reds were returning to play following their respective COVID-19 concerns, the Milwaukee Brewers have been sneaking up the standings. The Brew Crew played a tough series at Wrigley Field in which they won three of four, all three wins coming in one-run games. This critical series pulled Milwaukee within four games of the Cubs in second place in the NL Central. The race for second place, although, remains crowded as one game separates the Brewers, Cardinals, and Reds. Staying in the National League, the Colorado Rockies are beginning to crash. They have not won a series since August 9th when they won two of three against the Seattle Mariners almost two weeks ago. Currently, they are two and eight in their last ten and have given up a four-game lead to the Los Angeles Dodgers atop the NL West. However, despite the Rockies' struggles of late, the National League West continues to be a division full of tough customers. The Diamondbacks have been making moves following a sweep of the Padres, 2 of 3 versus Colorado, and 2 of 3 thus far versus Oakland. The Padres have crushed the Rangers in three straight games, and the Dodgers hold the best record in baseball at 18 and 8. If the season ended today, Four teams from the National League West would make the postseason. The Dodgers, the Padres, the Rockies, and the Diamondbacks. 
And over in the National League East, the race is totally up for grabs. Only three games separate the first place Braves from the last place Nationals, who are also the defending world champions. The Marlins have also been crashing, just like the Rockies. The Marlins are 2-8 and eight in their last 10. But because of the division situation, the Marlins still hold a playoff spot at 9-9, nine and nine, second place in the National League East. Jumping now to the American League, the AL East continues to intrigue. The Rays are looking like one of the best teams in baseball again. They are 12-1 in their last 13. They are 6-1 in their last 7 versus the Yankees, and they hold first place now by half a game. The Yankees have kept pace by winning 6 straight versus the Braves and the Red Sox. The Red Sox, as the worst team in the American League, have yet to beat the Yankees in the rivalry this season. They will get three more shots versus the Yankees at Fenway Park in September, but there is doubt circling over who will be on that team. J.D. Martinez, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Brandon Workman are all free agents following the 2020 season, which makes them appealing trade candidates for the August 31st trade deadline for new CBO Chain Bloom of the Red Sox. As it stands, the Red Sox are 7-18, and nine and a half games out of the Tampa Bay Rays for first place in the National League East. Elsewhere in the East, the Orioles and the Blue Jays are both deadlocked at 500, four games out of the Rays for first place. Well, it was a fun week in the American League Central. The White Sox have won four straight starting Sunday. The Indians have won five straight starting Friday. But the Twins continue to reign at 16-9, half a game up on Cleveland in the standings. The Tigers had their fun on Wednesday when Casey Mize, former Auburn Tiger and number one overall pick in 2018, made his Major League debut. Mize's line was four and a third innings, three earned runs, seven strikeouts, and no walks. No decision on Mize, though, as the Tigers lost the game 5-3. There was some bad news in the American League Central this week, however, as Cleveland optioned Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak to the alternate training site. This move comes after the two players broke COVID-19 protocol by going out for Chicago nightlife on the road. Some Indians players have threatened to opt out of the remainder of the season if Clevenger or Plesak return to the big league roster. Debate continues as to whether Cleveland could potentially trade Clevenger and Plesak, as they have ERAs of 324 and 129, respectively. And the big story of the American League West this week are the Houston Astros, who have put together eight straight wins. They've put back-to-back series sweeps of the Mariners and the Rockies together, and they've moved up in the standings only two and a half games out of Oakland for first place in the American League West. The Astros have overtaken second place from the Texas Rangers, who have really struggled late with the San Diego Padres. On Monday night at Globe Life Field in Arlington, The Padres' biggest star, Fernando Tatis Jr., hit a grand slam on a 3-0 count with one out in the eighth inning. The Padres had a seven-run lead, and Fernando Tatis Jr. was criticized by both manager Chris Woodward of the Rangers and manager Jace Tingler of the Padres for hitting the ball on the 3-0 count. 
Many players and former players on social media came to the defense of Fernando Tatis, saying that unwritten rules shouldn't be followed in baseball, or that they do not exist as a whole. Although it wouldn't be the first Grand Slam that the Rangers would give up to the Padres in the series. Later in the series, Manny Machado would hit a walk-off Grand Slam to win three straight for the Padres over the Rangers. Currently, the Rangers are in third place in the AL West, six games out of the first place Oakland Athletics, and four games out of the Houston Astros in second place. In fourth and fifth place are the Angels and the Mariners, nine games and nine and a half games out, respectively. So let's keep going with this American League West, and we'll start with the Houston Astros, who honestly look like they are cheating again. I don't know how they've turned it around as much as they have, but their offense went from their stars batting well under 200 to now they're scoring 10 runs in games and blowing people out. And they did just win a game at Coors Field by scoring 10 And I get that it's Coors Field, but the Astros are finally looking like they're hitting again. I don't know how they turned it around so quickly, but they sure have made a big push here at the Oakland Athletics all of a sudden after just getting swept last time they met up. You know, I did see in one game a citizen of Minneapolis flew a drone over Target Field to try to, uh, I guess, video and watch the game live from his own drone's point of view. But either way, maybe there's something there with the Astros. Maybe the Astros have a drone up there that's flashing different colored lights towards the players to try to get a, a signal down as to which pitch is coming. Because it is very strange that the Astros have turned it around just overnight like they have. And the Astros have turned it around much to the dismay of the Texas Rangers who previously held that second place spot. So let's transition now. Let's talk about the Tatis situation and the Rangers and how that whole situation has developed into this big debate online over whether you should swing at a 3-0 count with the bases loaded. And I'm going to start off by focusing on the Rangers, but I'm not going to focus on them or talk about them for long because really I don't think what the Rangers think about the situation matters at all. And Chris Woodward came out and said that he didn't like what Tatis did. And of course he didn't because he's the opposing team's manager. And of course you don't like that when you're getting absolutely killed. It's 10 to 3. And then the guy hits a home run on you on a 3-0 count. Of course you don't like it because now you're losing 14 to 3. But Chris Woodward did not do anything wrong in this situation. He said that he did not like something. And everyone is entitled to their own opinion on any particular matter. I have my opinion. I say, well, the best ice cream is chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. And that's my opinion. And my father might have a different opinion. And my brother might have a different opinion from him. But that's all our own opinion. And there's nothing wrong with having that opinion. Chris Woodward did not like that particular play. That was his opinion. There's nothing wrong with him having that opinion. So now, with that being said, I'm going to take the Rangers out of the equation right there. So, do I have an issue with hitting a home run on a 3-0 count? No, I don't. 
do I have an issue with someone hitting a grand slam on a 3-0 count? No, I also don't don't have an issue with that at all. Do I have an issue with Fernando Tatis Jr. hitting a grand slam up seven runs in the eighth inning on a 3-0 count? No, I still don't have an issue with that at all. Do I have an issue with a player swinging through a take call from his own manager? Yes, that is where I have an issue. Because the game is full of players that tried to do it their own way and not play as a team. And if you need any proof of that, just look at the Angels right now. Nine games out. They've got Trout, Rendon. They've got Otani. They had Josh Hamilton back in the day. They couldn't. They haven't won a playoff game in the last decade, okay? And all those star players, they couldn't get it done. And it's because they lack the team chemistry of a team like Oakland. I talked about this a lot in Express Line 2 when we were focusing on the Angels totally falling off the table despite, once again, very high expectations from Mike Trout and the Angels ball club. You know, if Fernando Tatis Jr. wants to be the next Mike Trout of baseball, he, he wants to be the guy who's getting the recognition for winning the home run titles, for batting over 300 every year, for stealing a ton of bases, for having a crazy high war, then that's great. And he can do that by hitting grand slams on 3-0 counts up seven in the eighth inning against a Rangers team that's under 500. Sure, he can do that if he wants to. But it may come at the cost of his team going to the playoffs and him actually winning championships. Because here's the deal. The NL West is a gauntlet right now. There's only one team that's under 500. There's only one team that wouldn't make the playoffs. And if you're going to make it through that division, if you're going to make the playoffs and have a good seeding that gives you a good shot to win a championship, you've got to play like a team. Sure, you have to have the stats too, but you got to play like a team. And the Padres in that moment told me that they can't play like a team. They can't follow instructions from their own manager. And that's going to cost them. And that's why I don't think the Padres are as much of a threat right now as they were beforehand. Let's switch over to something else that's highly controversial, and that would be this whole Mike Clevenger, Zach Plesak situation going on in Cleveland right now. They optioned them down to the alternate training site after they broke those protocols in Chicago. And it's true, they they deserve some punishment of some kind. But I don't really think either the player, the two players, or the organization's handling of the situation has been right so far. Plesak and Clevenger were entirely wrong to go out in Chicago and jeopardize the whole health and safety of the team that night that they that they committed those actions. However, the organization, by sending them down to the alternate training site, is disciplining them. That part is correct. But unfortunately, if Zach Plesak or Mike Clevenger decide to pull the same action again, then they're just jeopardizing the health of the alternate training site versus jeopardizing the health of the actual Major League team itself. If there are players on the Major League roster that don't want them there, there's got to be players at the alternate training site who don't want them there either. I think the proper way for the Indians to have handled this is just to send them home, just to let them sit at home, if they're willing to go out and party it up and jeopardize the whole health and safety of the club, 
then they have to realize those actions could result in them sitting at home for the rest of the season. That is where Major League Baseball is if they cannot keep this under control. And I don't think sending the two players to the alternate training site gives them that mode of thinking. It doesn't put that in their brain. Because to them, they're still playing baseball. There's still a chance that they're going to get called up. There's still a chance that they're going to get traded to a major league team that is going to let them play on the big league roster. And it is a form of discipline, but it's not necessarily the form of discipline that actually teaches them a lesson about what they did wrong. Luckily for the Indians, they've been playing great ball without their two best pitchers, so maybe they should consider trading them, especially if they can get some offense. I don't think they'll get anything in return for two guys that have violated protocols like they have. But maybe, maybe there's a chance. There's some, there are some teams out there that could really use some pitching and might be willing to strike a deal like that, a risky deal, but a deal nevertheless. The AL East, on the other hand, has really been a two-team race. I think of the American League West as it's still a three-team race. You still have Oakland, Houston, and Texas. They're the contenders in the AL West still. Texas is on the fringe of being a pretender, but right now it's the Angels and the Mariners that are pretenders in the AL West. In the AL East, there's really two contenders right now, mainly because Baltimore still holds that third spot, and I don't really see... Toronto as a contender until they can prove that they're better than Baltimore, which they haven't so far, both still deadlocked at 500. I do think that the Rays have made a huge push here, and I think that the Yankees' injuries, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, DJ LeMayhew, Zach Britton, Tommy Conley, Glaber Torres, James Paxton now, like that they have a lot of issues that the Rays are taking advantage of while they're still losing baseball games. And I think the Rays are in a really good position to kind of take this thing away from the Yankees in September. That would be a big upset, even though the Rays did have a lot of hype coming into the season. They didn't have the World Series predictions like the Yankees did, but the Rays still coming in were a team that people thought could contend with the Yankees for the American League East crown, and they're doing that. I am going to make some quick comments about the National League East before we get into the Casey Mize start to conclude the show. The National League East is like spin the bottle right now. All these teams are so close together that one series could totally flip the standings entirely, top to bottom. The Nationals only three games out. If you don't think them as a contender, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you think is a contender because they started off so cold last year and then took it away from the wild card game in the playoffs and won the World Series. They are a team that is still within striking distance of the Braves with September still left to go. And then everyone else sandwiched in between. It looks like the Mets and the Phillies are pretending like they want to have the championship, but they just can't get over the hump and get anywhere close to the Braves, they, they just stay at like two games out the whole way through. Miami is starting to fall, and perhaps Miami's going to end up at the bottom of the standings before next week. 
but Miami could potentially get those 18 players back from COVID-19 quarantine and start challenging again for that second playoff spot or for one of the wild cards if the NL West continues to beat itself up. We'll see how it all plays out, but right now that NL East is totally up for grabs, and it's going to be really fun to watch and see who actually is going to come out of that. And we saved the best for last. Casey Mize in his debut Wednesday was, he was good. He got seven strikeouts. He had the hit or miss stuff going. It was unfortunate that he ran into a White Sox club that was really hot at the time and that the Tigers couldn't give him the run support to win that game. But I'm glad he didn't take a loss or anything like that. Because he did pitch really well, especially for a debut and for someone who has had as much hype as he has. I do really like how Auburn baseball put that tribute for him together of all of the former Major League players that played at Auburn uh, or current Major League players. I know Josh Donaldson was on there, Tim Hudson, Frank Thomas. uh, Bo Jackson gave him a shout out on Twitter but was not in the tribute. And it was just really cool to see how... So much went into that debut for Casey. Uh, I based my whole day around it. I was so excited to see him pitch. Uh, I called some friends over. We had a little watch party. I mean, it was terrific to watch him finally get there after being the number one pick just two years ago. That's a really fast turnaround, and that really speaks to the kind of stuff that Casey Mize has. And Casey Mize is going to be a force to be reckoned with for years to come if he can stay healthy. And knowing Casey, he's going to show some improvement here in the next month of the season as the Tigers start to really work with him on the major league level, getting used to major league hitters. And I'm really excited to see that improvement as it comes. It was a great debut for him. The seven strikeouts, the swing and miss stuff. He looked poised. He didn't look phased. And I really I really enjoyed it and can't wait to see him pitch even more. And we've run out of time. We're already a little bit over time, the normal 20 minutes, but that's okay because we did take longer to produce this show this time around. We will be back for Express Line 4. But until then, I am your host, Ryan Walker, signing off. Thank you for listening. 